0: Hello and welcome to Fee Play Love and this episode of Helpline with sleep consultant Joe Ryan. Um, we are here to help you with whatever questions you may have about your baby, your toddler. Perhaps it's a mixture of two um, that can be quite challenging. Joe is here to answer your questions. So the way you can ask Joe these questions, you can join if you're joining us live on Facebook, just pop your question below this video. If you're listening to us via the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. That will mean how we will answer your question next week. Uh, and we also have a helpline group on Facebook, so you can post your questions there. Joe, hello and welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Let's get cracking. We've got an email from Dave to start off with. He says, We have a 15 month old baby who had been a great sleeper for the past few months and is still sleeping well during the day. She has two naps and going down well at night. But recently she started waking at night incredibly upset. Ordinarily, Anytime she has been upset, as soon as she's been in her mum's arms, she calmed. But overnight, it's very hard to console her. She will scream and writhe as if she's in pain for prolonged periods, with minimal calm periods. Eventually, she becomes calm, but still resists being put down in her cot until around two hours after she first woke. She will get similarly worked up if we try to do it too early." We have done Nurofen twice, but we aren't sure she's in actual physical discomfort as she does calm without medication and has no sign of discomfort at all during the day. There are a few things going on. She just started taking steps around a week ago and we moved house three weeks ago, though she slept relatively well for the first week. Uh, We have heard that um, this is a time that's suggested to transition down to one sleep at this age, but she always seems ready to go down at 9am and again at 2pm, and it's not so much the fact that she's waking that has us perplexed, but more how completely inconsolable she is.
1: Yeah. So, look, um, it depends on how they're woken during the night, I guess, or how they wake, and also at what's... Part of their sleep cycle, uh, they're in, you know, and often if what's happened, it sounds like she's come out of some deep sleep really quickly and they wake up with quite a fright and they do get quite, in, they are quite inconsolable and it does take a long time to calm down. Um, it's not unusual. These things happen definitely with changes going on in her little world, you know, um, it's not a conscious thing, but. You know, these changes are man- manifest themselves often in sleep disturbances. Um, I would definitely be trying to work her towards one sleep a day as well um, at 15 months. Uh, you know, I think the fact that she's ready to go down at 9am is because she's out of habit too. She's used to that. Her body knows that that's her normal kind of bedtime or nap time. So it makes her a bit tired. So what I would do is I would gently just try to push that out um towards midday you know and then keep the afternoon nap for a bit but then drop it as as it gets closer to midday and and then Dave you might also need to move bedtime earlier as well just to kind of uh, you know compensate for the long afternoon um there's also a few things you know often Uh, toddlers she's a bit young you know they can have night terrors um, but generally they manifest by it's it's in the evening part of the night so prior to midnight because they are in their deepest sleep and they come out very quickly it's often because they're overtired um, and they are actually kind of not really conscious so you know with night terrors the children uh, look like they are still asleep and it's very hard to rouse them um uh so I would I would just say to you, try not to do too much. Like, you know, calm, calming her and comforting her is obviously what you need to do. But don't introduce anything new like lying beside her, you know, picking her up out of the bed, taking her into your bed, all those sorts of things because she will just latch onto that and that's, of course, a beautiful thing. And um, so that will be something that she will expect when she wakes. So try to keep your settling to just very much comforting her Stroking her, calming her down and then leaving her, you know, once she's calm or once she's back to sleep. But uh, uh, and also there's separation stuff going on right at this age, 15 to 18 months is where it peaks. So, you know, um, with the move with did you say that she started childcare? I
0: can't remember. Um, no, I don't
1: think. Uh, No, But sort of those sorts of things can cause a lot of a, a bit of separation as well. So um, they're just things to take into consideration.
0: Now I'm just asking Joe because I'm adult and Dave probably is all over this, but could you just explain um, briefly when you say so she's sleeping at nine and twelve now and you're yep. saying that maybe try to move her to one sleep. Does Oh, so
1: is so her, her sleeps at nine and twelve. I thought Oh, sorry, no, nine, 9
0: and, and 2. two. You're right. Yeah. I'm I'm wrong there. Sorry. But um so are you saying that you push out the first sleep, you try to push it closer to lunchtime and then that afternoon sleep, you push out it as
1: well? Or sorry, could you explain? Oh, yeah, how- yeah, yeah. So um I look, it just depends on what sleep is the better one for her. But I would tend to move or drop the first one, you know, and move the second one closer to midday. Midday. <laughs> or no, if he thinks that she can't cope on one sleep just yet or she can't last to midday, then I would like maybe put her down for a couple of days at say 10 30, you know, push her out for an hour and a half. And she might only sleep till 12 or 12 30. So she will need another little half hour nap in the afternoon, say from 2.30 to 3 or something like that, just to get her through to bedtime. Do that for a few days. Then push it out to maybe 11.30, you know, and if she's still waking sort of early, she might need another half hour nap at, say, 3 to 3.30 or something like that. Then if you can get her to midday, um, you might find she sleeps midday to 2 and then you can put it, she'll last until, say, 6.30, you know. So that's kind of the process of you know, um, moving out the morning sleep.
0: Like I've, I've said to people before every year with daylight savings, it blows my mind. So simple oh, yeah. things like that. I need <laughs> It
1: blows my mind too. I, at daylight saving, I have to work, sit down with a piece of paper and a pen. hang on a minute. What's going on?
0: Yeah. I, I shouldn't admit that. But anyway, um, the next question comes from Stephanie on Facebook live. She says, hi, Joe, please help. My two and a half year old will not eat on a regular basis by this i mean he will only snack he absolutely refuses to try anything new and always asks for milk i'm at my wits end please please help
1: the terrors of the toddler who won't eat yeah (laughs) they'll only eat what they want it's an age-old problem i have to say you're not alone um I would be reducing the amount of milk because obviously he—that's his go-to, that's his go-to, that's his comfort, and he's probably filling up on that. So you just need to resist giving that to him and um, just say there's none available, you know, no milk now. Offer it to him maybe twice a day, breakfast and, you know, evening or whatever. Um, you know, with toddlers who refuse to eat, just um, keep offering snacks Offering snacks, always have the vegetables or something different on the plate with the thing that they like. Ask him to look at it, to to touch it, to smell it. Doesn't have to eat it. But just keep presenting alternatives. He will come through this. But the problem is that we don't present alternatives and we only give them anything they want. So they haven't seen, they don't see anything. They don't see the vegetables. They don't see the other food. So, of course, they're not going to want it. So just keep showing him the alternatives and hopefully he will, um, you know, he will eventually come through this and start to taste them and eat them. But, again, I would definitely be cutting back on that milk because that's what they fill up on.
0: God, this is such a difficult time because
1: uh, it's (laughs) terrible. It's so frustrating. I I hate to say how
0: long it lasted for me, but... um... My second child was a good eater. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Stephanie, that doesn't help, but I'm... As Joe says, it's not unusual, and I feel your pain. Uh, This next question comes from Natia on Facebook Live. My eight-month-old won't drink formula. We struggle getting 100 mils into him per feed. We've tried various bottles and formulas, but nothing works. He just hates drinking formula. I do mix more formula into his solids, but he still doesn't get his recommended amount per day. His weight sits at the... 10th percentile he takes solids better but I worry about his formula intake as it is supposed to be his main nutrition until he turns one is there anything I can do any advice would be most welcome that's from Natia
1: that's really hard so I'm imagining that there is no formula is the only milk that he's drinking um by the sounds of it uh I would just check the teat speed like if it's a still like is he still on a slow teat because often they won't drink very much particularly when they get bigger on a slow teat um uh so i would put him on the fastest teat so a large you know just try and get as much milk into him as quickly as you can often when they don't like formula two it, they're kind of um telling you or their body's telling them that it's not gonna it's not working for them so I would maybe try a soy-based formula or a goat's milk formula. I know she says she's tried a lot, but maybe there's something about it that he doesn't like, you know, that his body is telling him, you know, it's not, it's not going to work for him. Um, I would say, yeah, mix in as much as you can with his food. Just keep off, maybe offer it to him in a cup rather than a bottle to see if he'll uh, drink that. You can also add maybe some natural flavouring like vanilla, or something that might just um, change the taste, if it's about the taste that he doesn't like. That is a worry, you know, and obviously you want to get as much milk into him as you can. But, you know, alternatively, if he's not drinking, then I would really ramp up the food as well. I mean, you know, we need to... He needs to put on weight and he needs to get his nutrients somehow. So I would definitely be ramping up the food. And some babies just are not milk drinkers. They're just not, you know, and it's not until... You know, uh, they, they can eat full diets that they just kind of, you know, they abandon milk pretty much altogether. But things mm-hmm. like other dairy things like yogurt, um, cream, you could add to potato, like mashed potato, those sorts of nice high calorie things can also help. Yeah.
0: Good luck with that, Yeah, Here's a question from Jory Jory from our Facebook Live. She says, "Um, hi, I'm just wondering if my five-month-old baby sleeps longer at night, should I pump to avoid mastitis? During the daytime, he feeds more often, so I'm worried about my milk supply. I'm also wondering my baby rolls over on his own, but he still wakes from his startle reflex. Is it okay to swaddle him for sleep or is it dangerous now he's rolling over?
1: Okay, so firstly, with the milk, um, with the, the, the mastitis question, I would say only, so our bodies will naturally ad- adjust. You know, this is, babies do start to sleep longer overnight and that's great. Um, what you don't want to do is pump off all your milk because then it will be sending the signal to your body to keep producing that amount overnight. So maybe for the first couple of days, what I would do is just take off a little bit just to make you more comfortable if it's really uncomfortable. Um, And you can then reduce that over the next couple of days. Bodies are amazing. Our bodies are amazing. They do adjust very quickly. And your brain will know that he's feeding during the day and not at night, and it will adjust accordingly. But obviously, just for the first couple of days, take off a little bit just to kind of reduce the pain and to decrease the, you know, incidence of getting mastitis. Um, so with the rolling and the swaddling, I would not be swaddling if he's rolling. Um, there are some bags, the Love to Dream bags or those bags that um, have their arms up and they're quite loose, the zipper up the front, and they can push themselves up if they do roll. That could be a good kind of interim um, bag to use until he's kind of start, stop startling and um waking himself up but ultimately yeah he need, he needs to have his arms out soon yeah he will get used to it it's just all these big developmental leaps cause you know a little bit of sleep disturbances but once you know they just need to keep practicing and they'll get used to, he'll get used to it and he will stop being so kind of um startled by rolling yeah
0: this is an email from i think it's Magali. so apologies if i pronounce that wrong i'm hoping you can help me with my early riser uh, they have a thirteen-month-old. Mm-hmm. This has been an ongoing challenge for us, except for two beautiful months of bliss when she slept from seven pm till seven am, from nine months till eleven months old. Then there were about four weeks of waking through the through the night, early rising at around four am, and fighting naps. We wrote it out as I imagined it was probably the excitement of learning to pull herself up, teething, and maybe sleep regression. Now, just two weeks ago, I tried dropping her first nap and doing a longer lunch nap to see if that would help. So she's Mm -hmm. gone back to getting up early and it seemed to work for about one week. So about two weeks ago, she was awake between 6 and 6.30. She would nap for two and a half hours between 11.30 and 2 and asleep by 7.00. However, she has now gone back to rising early again at 5.30 a.m., 5.00 a.m. or 5.15 a.m. She's just turned 13 months and is still napping really well during the day, sometimes yeah. 2 hours 45 and sleeping no later than 2. Can you please tell me what I'm doing wrong or do I just accept I have, that I have an early riser? The room has blackout blinds, heating, and she's eating three good meals during the day and two
1: snacks. Okay. So you may have to accept that she's an early riser. That may be the case. For, for a bit, doesn't mean that, that it is forever. But I would suggest too, because you've kind of moved to one nap a day, that the afternoon might be quite long and she might be a bit overtired at 7 by 7. So I would suggest having her asleep by 630 to see and i know it's sort of a bit counterintuitive because you're like oh she's going down earlier that'll mean she'll wake earlier but in fact what happens is when babies go down too tired or a bit overtired they shorten the amount of time they sleep for during the night so when they go down um you know at the right time when they're just tired enough when they can put themselves to sleep and everything goes well then they sleep Uh, they get into the nice proper rhythm of the night. It's like they get on the right bus and it takes them through all the way to morning. So I would suggest probably trying for a few days to put her down half an hour earlier so that she's asleep half an hour earlier and just see if that makes any difference. Um, I think I'd maybe cap the day's sleep at sort of two and a half hours, probably not let her have too much more than that. And then put her down a little bit earlier um, and see how that goes. Uh, but that's what I would try before I kind of just gave in to the 5, 5.30am rising. And she may be that sort of a child for the, for the time being. They do go through phases. Um, it's not to say she's always going to be like that
0: yes hope yeah that's
1: right this
0: this is a question from kiva on our facebook live kiva says my four and a half month old loves her day naps in the pram even if the pram is stationary in our living room we put her in the pram asleep um we haven't we haven't mastered putting her down awake yet Mm -hmm. we've tried the cot for day sleeps but in the last few weeks as soon as we set her into the cot she wakes she's fine in the cot at night time by the way Any advice or reassurance? I'm worried the pram isn't the best environment for her to be sleeping in, not completely flat, legs raised, et cetera. Mm.
1: Yeah, look, I think, you know, the the pram is fine when they're tiny, but they do get to a point where they need to sleep in, you know, their bed, like we all do, you know, and I always liken sleeping in a pram to like sleeping on a long-haul flight, you know. It's really uncomfortable. You can't roll over. You're strapped in. You know, so ultimately it's not going to be conducive for her sleep. You know, she's not going to get great sleep. So I would suggest that they try settling her in the cot as well because sleeping in the pram may ultimately upset the way she's sleeping and cause disturbances um, further down the track. So get her ready for bed, pop her in the cot, and maybe pat her off to sleep in the cot first um you know and do that for a couple of days like i've said before babies are very uh, great and quick learners but we need to show them how to do it so it's just about repeat repeat being consistent and showing her that this is where she sleeps Um, and you know it might take a little while for her to get used to it but she will ultimately get used to it and it will be better for her sleep in the long run
0: this is a question from Janet on our Facebook Live. She says, hi, Joe. you just recommended a sleep, slack, sleep sack to another listener. I'm wondering how long you should keep a sleep sack on your baby once you stop swaddling. Thanks.
1: So with that, the love to dream that I talked about that has with the arms in, generally I say once the baby is rolling every, all the time um, and um they're sleeping on their sides or on their tummies, and it's probably a good idea to get out of their love to dream um, and then move to a bag, like a sleeping bag with the arms out. And I think I they miss can those. I'd put great, my kids back in them if I could. <laughs> exactly. And because they, they're, um, they're a great trigger, you know, for babies and young children to know that this is sleep time. Um, it, it also obviously keeps them warm or cool without having to put bedding on. Um, and you can keep them in them till they're three or, you know, more really. Um, so they can stay in that sleep sack for as long as you want them to. Really, and super
0: they- cuddly when yeah, they're in Yeah, they are cuddly. And-, and when they try to
1: walk in them, it's really cute. I know, it's cute, <laughs> like little worms. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I know that wasn't really what you were asking there, Janet, but we both love the sleep bags. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, This question comes from uh, Tamika on Facebook live. She says, I'm a teacher and we have a child in my toddler class that refuses to eat fruits or vegetables. If you even mention it, she screams and cries. I notice that the parents send the fruit pouches, which she does enjoy. She will only eat it in this consistency. How can we encourage her to eat fresh fruits and vegetables?
1: well again you know it's the same old story you just got to present it you know and encourage her to just look at it touch it smell it she doesn't have to eat it as long as she's getting some fruit and vegetables which she sounds like in those packs i mean they're not ideal but they're not terrible you know i I wouldn't be worried too much you know um they don't have a lot of additives um in them um if any i don't think these days some of them are really good um um you know i i would just make sure it's there that she sees it you know but you can't force her <laughs> to to eat it she won't you know they're very determined little things toddlers so um yeah i would just do that and may, it, you know i think it's I was gonna say you could talk to the parents but you know i'm sure they have the same they're doing the same thing at home i mean it you know so it, it you know you're with the, cho- the child for a short period of time so i would just sort of you know, do what you can. But, you know, obviously it's very hard to change behaviour.
0: Like and that. isn't it also true, um, very anecdotally from my perspective, that when children are around their peers, they're more likely to eat than eat certain foods they eat
1: when they're at home? Yeah, absolutely. They behave very differently often at childcare or, you know, at grandparents or whatever than they do at home. So, you know, um, just giving them exactly, which I'm sure happens, they probably get exactly what their peers are getting at, at the childcare centre. Um, but, you know, um, so as long as they can see the other kids eating it, you know, eventually it might, you know, all kind of biosmosis go in and you might want to try it. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's not a lot you can do. Exception. my yeah. son
0: used to eat the most amazing food at his daycare I just wanted to stay when I dropped him yeah. off I could smell. and then I'm like hold on a sec he doesn't eat that at home yeah <laughs> but I think it was the other kids yeah anyway totally. good on you for trying to get him to eat that fruit anyway Tamika. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah toppers. Um, This is from Ariana in our Helpline group. She says, my son is two and a half years old and he won't sleep in his bed all night. When he wakes up, he climbs into my bed and aggressively touches my stomach till he Mm -hmm. falls back to sleep. Oh, that sucks, which can take (laughs) ages. So I'm wondering how I keep him in his bed and is there anything I can do about his constant tummy touching that keeps me awake? Kids, Ariana, who'd
1: have them? I know, I know. But I mean, I guess the thing is that you just have to stop him, you know, stop letting him get into your bed, you know, and he's not going to like it at first. But when you, you know, you we need to take these things off the table, you know, because if he knows that he's going to be allowed in, then he's going to keep doing it. OK, so I think a, a first step would be to take him back to bed, you know, take him back to his own bed, you know, maybe sit with him hold his hand you know don't if he wants to touch you on the tummy you know you again take that off the table that's not um an option you know you hold his hand or you stroke his head or you pat his back or stroke his back or something like that so you just need to change change the situation and you know, he's not going to like it at first because, you know, toddlers very much think they're in charge or they they want to be, you know, they're asserting their independence. So it's like, no, I want to do it that way. And you go, well, actually, no, this is what we're doing. And you just keep doing it night after night after night. And so when there's no reward, there's no getting into your bed, there's no touching you on the tummy, then often they'll just stop waking you know, and they'll sleep through. But we need to make the changes. He's not going to do it on his own if he's constantly being let, you know, if he's let in the bed. That's, I mean, who wouldn't want to get into bed with their mummy? You know, Mm -hmm. that's a nice thing for him. Um, So, yeah, just change that behaviour. Gently, gently and and incrementally and it will change.
0: They have the funniest comforters, don't they, children? (laughs) Ariana, if it makes you feel better, my daughter used to pinch the underside of my arm and that was the only Mm -hmm. way she would go to sleep. It was excruciating. Oh,
1: look, I've had, I've had parents tell me that, that, you know, their children have, like, eat, eaten their mother's hair, like put it in oh. their mouth, twisted the hair, lots of weird kind of things to comfort them.
0: Yeah, and she doesn't do it anymore, Ariana, mm. if that helps. And yeah. I think, I'm not sure, I tried everything to get it to stop and I'm not quite sure how it happened. It's all mm. a bit of a blur. Yeah, <laughs> we block it out. Yeah. Um, this is a question from Kate on our Facebook inbox. She says, I'm looking for some advice. My almost two-year-old is still co-sleeping with me and going down to sleep only with the boob. He doesn't really have any breastfeeds during the day, but I cannot get him to sleep without it. We are in a bad rut. He wakes at least four times a night, so he's not sleeping. And therefore I'm not either. And I'm going crazy. I bet you are, Kate. Totally.
1: Totally. So again, same principle. Okay. So you just take the boob off the table. Not literally. <laughs> Hopefully, your boobs aren't on the table. But, um, you know, take that option off the table. So, you know, and remember that they're not going to like that. We're changing something that he's done for a very long time, if not his whole life. So, gently explain no more booby. Or, you know, if you're doing it before bed, which you totally still could if that's what you want to do, if you don't want to wean completely. Do it in a different area. So do it in the living room. So you're sitting up, offer him the boob while you're reading him a story or something like that so he's not falling asleep. So we need to change the association with having the boob or just remove um, the option. So no more booby tonight, give him a cup of milk or whatever. Um, And um, if you want to continue to co-sleep, I'm not quite sure if that's the option or she wants to have him out of the bed. If you want to continue to co-sleep, then obviously get him to sleep by stroking his back, you know, comfort him. And you do that either in your bed or his bed if you would prefer him to go back in his cot. But remember that he's never been in the cot from the sounds of it. She's co-sleeped for a long time. So, um, you know, I would maybe put a mattress on the floor next to your room, in your room, and start to move him out like that. I'm not quite sure. Does it say that she wants to? I think it's just the fact that they're not sleeping. Yeah, they're not sleeping. So you can absolutely keep co-sleeping. But once you've removed the 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 association of falling asleep with a boob, often the waking overnight will stop as well. But ultimately, you know, him sleeping in his own space, whether it be on the floor in your room um, or in a bed in your room, um, will help everyone sleep better. We all sleep better in our own space.
0: Yeah. Mm. Here's a question from Heather on our Facebook live. It's probably, this will probably be our last question, actually. We're running out of time. I have a six-year-old that refuses to eat vegetables with the exception of carrots and leaves of chicken nuggets and fries. If I try and serve her something different, she flat out refuses to eat. Should I offer her the food that I know she will eat or let her go hungry so she will eat what is served? I end up cooking two different meals most nights.
1: Hear you, Heather. yeah look you know six-year-olds are hard work too um i mean i wouldn't let her go hungry because then you know i mean that's not great but you know so i would give her something of what she likes and then i would give her something else um and i would uh you know you can always set a timer for dinner time you know you could set the kitchen the oven timer for say half an hour 40 minutes you know, that she needs to um, try or at least look at the food, touch it, taste it, smell it, you know, and but then she can eat her own, what she likes. You know, you can always mix other vegetables in with other things. I mean, we've all heard the tricks of, you know, spaghetti bolognese full of veggies or, you know, those sorts of things. Fried rice is good with other things in. Um, I'm sure Siobhan's got a heap of other things that you do. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. But, you know, it is hard, but I would definitely... You know you have to she has to eat something, so yeah. i wouldn't I wouldn't be sort of uh, promoting the whole idea of letting her go hungry, but obviously having other options and mm. and making sure they're on the plate as well as good i think i in some ways I wish I had
0: been a little bit stricter about that Jo, if I'm honest, not in terms of letting them go hungry but definitely. Um, We, uh, I should explain that we've been cooking two meals for (laughs) several years now, Mm. and we're only now getting to a place where we have like taco Tuesdays and pizza pasta night where we all eat the same meal. But there are so many nights when there's two meals um, Mm. and it does get very tiresome. But I, I know what you're saying in terms of all the nutritionists I've ever spoke to have said. Keep a couple, give them something that they like, and then include other options. Mm, mm. Um, and just don't talk about it. What's yeah. the theory? You're you're the um, you provide the meal, but you're not catering to them. So you, yeah. you give them the option. Yeah. But then you know, and maybe but, the way is to include a bit of your food alongside theirs.
1: Yeah, and sitting down together, which I, I don't know if that's what's happening. Sitting all together as a family is a really good thing to do. But you, you're right, absolutely. Don't make a big issue of it. This is what there is you know um so she does get something that she'll eat but you know um re- rewarding for eating is not really uh, you know great either so rewarding with food i wouldn't but you know dessert or you know fruit or yogurt after the meal is just part of the meal so that's just included regardless you know so it's not a reward for eating something um But yeah, good luck. It is Mm -hmm. it is hard and frustrating, you know, frustrating. frustrating. I mean, my my sister cooked two meals. She had two boys. They each ate differently to what her and her husband ate. Uh And I know. And still, I mean, one of them's left home now, but the other one's doing Year Twelve, and I'm sure she's still cooking separately for him.
0: (laughs) Don't tell me that. I'm going to start working
1: now. Work on it now.
0: I don't know why I'm laughing. It's so painful. But um, thank you, Joe. That's really good advice. And we have run out of time. So thanks so much for coming on and helping everyone with all of that advice. (laughs) Thank thank you, everyone, for your questions. I will just mention before we go, though, that if you have um, been listening and thinking, um, I really need to ask a question, you haven't been able to get a chance to speak with Joe. Um, Joe is one of our experts at the parent school from Babyology. We'll put links in the notes of this episode and also on the Facebook Live. This is where you can book one-on-one consultations with an expert from a number of fields, and Joe, as I mentioned, is one of them. But there is now a new option as well. So there are also now shorter booking periods that you can book. So you can have a 20-minute expert call for just $69. Now, those calls are, are for people who just need a little tweak you don't think you've got a massive problem but you just want to speak to someone one-on-one and that's how you can do it now so there's the extra option of having a shorter call for less money you can have a look on the page on the parent school page and see what uh, options are available I wish that was an option when my kids were small Uh, maybe they'd be eating better now anyway who knows Um, Joe, thanks again and uh, we'll see everyone again next week see you later